హలో ఎవ్రీ వన్ వెల్కమ్ టు ది టెన్త్ ఎపిసోడ్ ఆఫ్ సెక్ టూల్స్ పోడ్కాస్ట్ బై ఇన్ఫోస్ క్యాంపస్ ఐఎమ్ యువర్ హోస్ట్ సనోమ్ థామస్ టుడే వీ హ్యావ్ అ గెస్ట్ అండ్ అ గుడ్ ఫ్రెండ్ ఆఫ్ మైండ్ యాన్ ఈస్ విత్ అస్ టు షేర్ హిస్ ఎక్స్పీరియన్స్ ఆన్ అ ప్రాజెక్ట్ విచ్ హీ వాస్ వర్కింగ్ సిన్స్ అ వైల్ కాల్డ్ వాగరి పాయ్ లెట్స్ హియర్ ఫ్రమ్ యాన్ ఈస్ మోర్ అబౌట్ ద ప్రాజెక్ట్ అండ్ ఆల్సో ఇస్ జర్నీ ఇన్ ఇన్ఫోసిక్ స్పేస్ సో ఫార్ వెరీ వెల్కమ్ యాన్ ఈస్ Thank you Sanup thank you for having having me on the show <laughs> great uh, good good morning or good afternoon depending <laughs> where you are yeah the time zone uh, is a problem <laughs> yes um as anup said i'm yanis yanis i come from cyprus and i first met sanup a few years ago on black hat yeah and we started discussing about our projects and then we became friends I guess. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, and this is basically what drawn me to Infosec. This is the the open source community and have meeting people in a casual environment and then creating these type of contacts and friendships. Um and that was my the reason actually that I started developing a tool although I'm not a developer. Um the tool is called Warberry Pi. it started as a very very uh, casual uh, side project uh, in 2015 i guess uh, it was just a personal hobby project of mine and it was actually a funny story because i decided to submit it at black hat just to have the the rejection letter from black hat <laughs> <laughs> and i actually got accepted at uh, black hat 2016 and i was a big change for me yeah i started seeing things more seriously and started getting more and more involved in developing and sharing my my tools and whatever i was working on yeah yeah uh, how how did it, uh, you started in infosix space let's start from where you begin in infosix space okay um first of all because I, i come from a very small place which is not it was not big on infosec or it wasn't known uh, and being a hacker was just a, a bad thing you know and fortunately things are changing but since a young age i was you know always in, in interested on how things work and changing the way things work and i think i was being a little bit of a hacker without knowing that i was an actual hacker <laughs> but um Professionally, it started about 10 or 11 years ago uh, when I saw that there was this wave of attacks coming towards Cyprus and people not being able to respond or not knowing what these type of attacks were. So I started getting into the ethical hacking side of things and trying to help organizations. And this is what I do for a living. And I love it. Every day I get to do my, my hobby as a job. Mm-hmm. and get paid for it and it's challenging it's challenging because in, in 10 years many many things have changed we see more and more advanced attacks uh, we see larger groups of attackers so things are are changing but we have the good guys working as hard yeah yeah uh, you were you were started uh, so you had initially a computer science background uh, before you get into infosec my actually university 
degree back, uh, degree is not computer science. It's computer science with uh, business. Mm -hmm. Like an MBA? Yeah. The MBA followed up my bachelor. So, I I, yes, I did an, uh, a master's in business afterwards. Mm -hmm. yep. Because I always wanted to, you know, being technical is good, but I wanted to have a way to to talk to the management, be able to talk to upper management and explain the risks. And I, first of all, I, I had to understand how to talk with these people yeah. and how to be able to provide more value and make the results valuable for them and actionable, not just a crazy technical uh, thing. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's a good combination because a lot of uh, a lot of us in technical space are not very good in you know articulating things in to the management board. Um, that that balance is a good combination. Yeah, it, it actually when, every time I'm writing a report for a client, it takes me longer and it's more it's harder to write the management part of the report. Yeah, because I'm trying to. To tell a story of, of either penetration test or a red team assessment in plain words that a businessman would understand. So for me, that's harder. But uh, my background is helping me with that. <laughs> yeah. Do you still enjoy doing reporting? <laughs> I, I, I I never enjoy doing <laughs> reporting. Uh, I enjoy when we talk about the business side of things. I enjoy when I get to be face to face with the management. Uh, and discuss rather than sending a, a paper report to them yeah, yeah. and let them understand by themselves. I want to be there and discuss and answer questions. That I really enjoy that part. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, how how did Warbury by started? Uh, what kicked you in um, to get started with the project? Okay. Uh, I had some friends from the Netherlands working on uh, some colleagues from the Netherlands actually working on something similar but on a mobile device. Mm. They, they started working on it. And a friend of mine gave me a bunch of uh, Raspberry Pis. So I, I, I didn't know what to do with them. I, I played a little bit but I couldn't see the value of the, of the Raspberry Pi to be honest mm. because I wasn't playing a lot with uh, small devices. And then when, they, when I saw the, their device, I said, okay, I want to try to create something similar. With, uh, with, uh, we discussed with them as well. So I started working on it and it was terrible. It was a terrible, terrible tool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it didn't work, <laughs> to put it simply. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I started working on it more. I shared the code with, them, uh, with my friends. They, they saw it. They saw the potential and they told me, keep working on it. You have something good in your hands, keep working on it. So at the end of the day, they their project didn't proceed as well. So I put more focus on mine. And as I said, it was just a matter of submitting to Black Hat, to Arsenal Tools and getting accepted. From there on, I had, to, I had two or three or four months, I don't remember exactly, mm -hmm. to make you know, change the code, make it really a nice, nice code and uh, working code. And that's what I did. I spent my summer working on the, on the code nonstop. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of way uh, these kind of events um, will give a, um, you know, a deadline to, de you know, deliver the project. Because a lot of open source works, we are doing it in free times and we don't have a specific deadline to meet a customer or something like that, right? 
uh, it's just all exactly. our own choice um, but um, events like maybe an arsenal or any other conference events when when you have a um, you know day to publish this or showcase this in a like live demo and people just as interactive as possible uh, that pushes us um, to to do more work and then make it really really showing it's not like playing videos it's actually showing real demos absolutely and uh, i also because of my job i had the opportunity to test my code in live environments mm-hmm. uh, all the time you know with the approval of, of the clients i said i'm working on this tool uh, i want to test it so i was able to see where it was failing mm. and be able to fix those mistakes really quickly so by the by the time i went to black hat i knew that i covered most of the scenarios most of the failed scenarios that i could face yeah so at black hat was working 100%. Yeah, there's so a lot of uh, you know test cases are already performed by the real engagement. So that's that's a good exact yeah. Um so uh, it can can you explain about so people who have not uh, seen his uh, work or maybe seen seen Yanis project online uh, the, the source code is online the whole documentation is online but uh, if in case if anyone listening to the podcast uh, those who have not seen Yanis work on Warberry Pi uh, explain about Warberry Pi what it does um, for the pen testers. Okay, uh, I saw that going to many clients that it was very hard. I could find open network sockets everywhere, but it was really difficult to, you know, power my computer, plug it in, troubleshoot the connection, and then getting any useful information. So I said, okay, there must be a way to create a smaller device that I would be able to plug it in, leave it there. Rule of thumb, the first rule of Warberry Pi, it doesn't do any exploitation. So it's a Raspberry Pi device that you plug into a network and it will do all the basic reconnaissance for you. So, and then try to bypass some of the security mechanisms that you can come across like uh, Mac filtering or NAC or static IPs. So the idea is to obtain as much information as possible in a short period of time and that information to be transmitted back to the hacking team or the ethical hacking team on a command and control server. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so this when is kind of, to, so this is a controlled uh, device. Yes, it it doesn't do anything malicious. Yes, the worst thing it can do is uh, run responder, so uh, it does a little bit of network poisoning, mm-hmm. but everything is. Um, customizable so you can turn on and off all these features so at the end of the day if you want to just have a passive device um, capturing network traffic you can have that if you enable everything yes you can do more things yeah makes a lot of sense um, especially when we start an engagement and probably this would be the initial step a normal pen testers would take right um, normally doing a reconnaissance and um, see what possible information we can get from our complete infrastructure um and yes. you know cut, cutting down that effort by uh, you know optimizing in 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 code uh, or making a tool out of it is a good idea yes and for myself the most beneficial thing with the warberry pi was being able to prove to organizations that you know i we had something plugged in your network for a couple of weeks be coming back to our server and it was capturing information. It's just a small device powered by a battery. So yes, these things can happen. So we can we are there to help you with fixing those problems. Yeah. 
one one thing that uh, may be challenging um, i i don't know i'm just uh, putting myself as a customer or a, as an infrastructure owner um, you know discussing about deploying these kind of devices on the networks how do we ensure the connection back to the c2 is um, is secured so that that would be main concern right this is pretty much like a backdoor uh, but an authorized backdoor rather um so uh, how do we convince uh, infrastructure managers or owners on uh, hey uh, we have the devices on your on your uh, network and uh, this would be fetching me informations back to my servers but that would be in a secured fashion yes so i'm trying to limit the information that is going out hmm. okay so for for example uh, i'm going to send the internal ip ip of the device So even if if it goes to the wrong hands, it won't be as bad. So I'm not sending usernames, passwords, or any network traffic to the outside. All that is kept on the device. So the idea there is to limit the the amount of traffic going out, because it's not really a command control that you're going to connect or a backdoor that you're going to connect and and hack the entire network from there. Mm. But um, Another example is the is that we use 3G and 4G connections to get information back mm-hmm. so we're not going through the internet. Yeah. So basically we're trying to limit I'm trying to limit the information going out and and that's it. Then the risks that are there of a device connecting to the outside uh, is the same as a regular hacker you know uh, extracting information from from the network yeah true uh, when you started the projects you had uh, you mentioned you had no idea about uh, raspberry pi uh, did you uh, i mean any any of the hardware skills required for you to start with the projects or i i know this is a, a python uh, based platform right i mean it's a python script right yes yeah so mm-hmm. um, how did your um, So the whole black mysterious box I have seen in Black Hat, uh, that is completely mm-hmm. like the complete um, um, uh, just a Raspberry Pi itself, or do you have any custom devices attached to it? Okay. Um, first of all, it, yes, it's in it's in Python. It's written in Python. And when I started the project, I had no idea on how to uh, code in Python. Mm. I never studied Python in the past, so it was a learning journey for me as well. Mm. When it comes to the traditional Raspberry Pi, the only thing you need is any Raspberry Pi, any Raspberry Pi. Okay. No hardware or soldering skills required. Uh, what you've seen at Black Hat is the development is the next step of the Raspberry Pi, which is a custom-made board. Uh, I wanted to go a little bit into the hardware side of things and develop my own hardware as well. Yeah. And that's what that's. So. That's a whole different story because it's a custom board which has embedded uh, Wi-Fi, GSM, GPS, and the moni- touchscreen monitor, the buttons, and the embedded battery. So it's a it's just one black box that contains everything you need to go into an organization. Yeah. But if if anyone if anyone wants to try the Raspberry Pi, they don't need that. that was just uh, as a test for me as a as a learning journey for me to create a hardware 
Yeah, I, th- I think the new version is is quite something. I've seen some sneak peek um, to to the device itself uh, when we met at the Black Hat in person. Uh, that's yes. quite interesting. Uh, but but technically, that means uh, anyone who has a Raspberry Pi can base you know clone your GitHub repositories and then deploy the project um, into their own devices, right? And they can see the code as well, so they can verify what's happening. Absolutely, absolutely. That was another. Uh, rule that I had from the beginning that the source code is going to remain open for everyone. Mm. I don't have any hidden features that there is no pro version or anything like that. So 100% of the code is available to everyone. Yeah. And nobody has to buy my own hardware to run, to run it. Mm. They just need the traditional uh, Raspberry Pi. The only thing that might change is that if you don't have the newest Raspberry Pis that have the embedded Wi-Fi module, that means you have to plug in a wireless dongle oh, to, for the wireless enumeration to work. And that's about it. You don't need anything else. Okay. And since you mentioned the version you saw at Black Hat, uh, give me a couple of weeks and there is a new version coming out. The new C2, I really, really like it. It's uh, I think it's impressive. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to set up, which was one of the problems I had at Black Hat. That there, were ma- there were many steps in order for someone to set up the C2 and I didn't like that. Hmm. Okay. So right now it's very, very simple and very, very nice and everything works perfectly. So the code is ready to be released very soon. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So when, when you, um, so the, the GitHub repository that you have uh, also contains the C2 code as well? Yes. Oh, okay. Awesome. Everything, everything. 100% of the project is available on GitHub. Well, that that's that's great uh, because usually the the like you know one part is actually released and the other part is not released. So this is like completely like hundred percent open source. So that's interesting. Yes, yes. Yeah. There are no hidden uh, features or paid features or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they were they were very high, and many people have asked me. And I had a discussion with the guys from Specter Ops at Black Hat mm. about about Bloodhound specifically. I said this is an amazing tool that. Uh, you know, it could be sold. It could it could have been a paid tool. And what they told me is the is what I share as a mindset as well is that that was my entrance to another level of a, being able to talk to other people and learn from other people. So I don't want to make money out of it. You know, it's it was my ticket to something better. So there's no reason to try to make money off of it. Yeah, uh, that's that's quite a philosophy that probably a lot of InfoSec community people are actually following through, uh, regardless of how many time effort uh, they are spending on building tools from scratch to uh, pretty much competent enough to a commercial tool, but they still keep it as open source and then you know leave it just maybe a MIT or GPL license just free free for use and free for customization. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, we all learn from those tools and when eventually we build something then we have the same philosophy following through exactly so when i was developing the tool and i had some difficulties i reached out to bitebleeder the guy that made no, the crack yeah, map exec yeah. you know i reached out to him on twitter and i said you know i need your help with this he helped me immediately mm. so I, I think it would be moral from my side to go and monetize <laughs> based on, on people helping me with uh, their skills. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, that's that's the whole purpose of this podcast, to bring all those 
uh, you know like minded people on the podcast and and share their experience on uh, you know why they think so or what drives them to keep going with such kind of projects so that's amazing yes and you cannot have many projects because many open source projects because i believe in order to develop these tools you have to love your tools you know because you're spending so much time yeah uh, not not pay time from your personal time so if you love your tool you don't care about monetizing from it so you're doing it because you like it and you want to share it yeah, yeah. so you're doing it for yourself first <laughs> that's right um when you mention um probably this is the first python project that you worked on uh, you learn the language by developing the tool uh yes. did you did you had any programming language before uh, wabri pi in any other yes, platforms yes. oh you you did okay yes 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 so it, python is a very easy language uh, to learn yeah so it, it wasn't that hard it was hard taking it to the next level and have an efficient writing the initial project was not that hard yeah but having uh, so so one question uh, that probably um, you know i would want to put put forward is this uh, when when someone has a basic understanding about like how code works maybe an academical um, knowledge uh, on you know writing some of the basic um, campus level projects uh, in any languages maybe like java or traditional c c++ or what not and now the the web or just the programming universe itself is going into a different directions there are too many of languages coming up like python golang or what not react uh, you know there are there are a bunch of them uh, obviously we can't learn all of these languages right uh, and all of these languages have goods and bads uh, but you know uh, understanding maybe you know more more simple simple way of coding maybe we'll pick up python Uh, or doing a lot of multitasking or like multi-threading or multi-processing kind of capabilities then we probably will pick up a golang or something like that uh, but you know learning did learning language was a difficulty for you when developing the application because it's a new language mm-hmm. it it depends if you like it so for my for me when i develop something and i see the output and it's working it's i get a satisfaction yeah so i wanted to learn more and more and more and more and then you meet people and hang out with people that know more than you and then you ask questions and you you realize okay i could have done it better so you're excited again and that would that's what keeps me going so it's the same with powershell i powershell was uh, after i studied after i went to university and then i started developing small utilities more tools to see how that works I'm not a proficient PowerShell uh, coder, but I can do basic stuff. Now we see as, um, a turn towards C sharp. Okay, if you have a background, you will be able to pick up and be able to write some small tools. Maybe not to the level that the new tools are coming out, but you will be able to do something useful. So learning is a challenge, but if you like it and you get excited when you see the results. then you can learn it for for me i tried go golang mm-hmm. as a new language i'm really struggling with golang <laughs> to be honest yeah but i yeah. think uh, uh, i've noticed this once when when we are in a purpose of learning language it's it seems more difficult but when when we the same times when we are actually solving a particular problems as a as a project maybe for example wabri pi 
learning phase is more fun because you're actually you know you have an ambition to finish a project uh, or you know do some kind of problem solving there and then you're utilizing some language platforms to solve that thing so that that part is actually fun but if i sit down and say that hey let's learn uh, golang from start to end that seems more difficult and more like i don't know if i can sit on that but <laughs> what's your no, experience no i never do that i can i cannot do that for me i i need to have a project in mind yeah. to start learning language i go backwards so i cannot start from chapter 1 yeah. variables i cannot i cannot do that yeah maybe it's so just I need uh, to have a target. yeah maybe it's just our mindset so we we don't you know i don't know i cannot go back to uh, uh, campus mode and then say hey start one this is uh, you know maybe chapter 1 this is about variables and this is about functions this is about more. so i i can't function that way mostly uh, it's no. about solving problems me either i cannot i need to i need to have a project and a target in mind to to see the results because yeah, if i am doing something to print hello world i, I cannot do that anymore <laughs> i'm too old for that <laughs> yeah that, that's the right way to put in uh, when um, so okay this is another one the the uh, when you started um, the first python project uh, and then you you decided to open source it obviously this is the first code that you written in python uh, was there any sort of challenges that you faced apart from like learning languages or maybe posting it online because it's pretty much the first code i had in person uh, like in in my personal case i had i was very very shy to post my code online in the first place uh because it's it was very crappy uh what was your experience on you know publishing your code online because there's going to be way too many people going to you, you know see the work yeah that was a funny story because i posted my my code on github to have it there and nobody was paying attention i didn't advertise my code or the tool at all because it wasn't ready yeah and then a twitter account called hug uh, with github Hmm. It's an automated bot, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Picked up, picked up the code because it had the keywords of hacking, Raspberry Pi, or whatever, and then it tweeted the link to my GitHub. So I realized, you know, you get a notification on your phone that hack with GitHub said something about you, and it's my GitHub uh, repo. And I freaked out, and I go there, and I have 100 stars, and people started retweeting that. Hmm. So I didn't I didn't put myself out uh, another account picked it up <laughs> in my place and, and tweeted it and, and then I freaked out you know um I don't consider myself a developer so I freaked out that the code was terrible the code was not working and you know I started going with uh, from 0 to 60 immediately to fix my code uh the but the only but response i got from that was a guy on twitter saying that this is dangerous tools and you shouldn't release it to the public <laughs> but yeah it was one guy in between you know thousands of other that others are liked it yeah so yes i was i was questioning myself if i should release the code in terms of being good or bad or in terms of being malicious or not yeah but i i think i took the, the right and decision and I'm I'm proud for what I've done. I really like my my project. I enjoy my project. 
uh, what was so in the whole i think you you how, how long you took the to finish the first version of it or first stable version of warburry pie do you remember the timeline maybe yeah or uh, for the first year i was working on it maybe once a, a week maybe mm. and then i had a basic structure basic working structure but it was written in bash oh okay yes so in four months it had to be written in python and working and have it ready for black so it took me about four months of working on it uh, every night and on the weekends oh okay okay so four months you know developing the whole or rewriting the whole code and then at the same time learning python language as well so that's impressive exactly yeah exactly yeah but I truly believe that there are so many skilled people, more skilled than me, that they should have tools out there. It's just they are shy or they don't feel that their tool is good enough to be released. Release it. Uh, that's my message to the people. If you have something, release it. I'm a terrible developer. And if I manage to go to Black Hat or manage to have a project, you can do it as well for sure <laughs> yeah right uh, i i also feel that a lot of people have that hesitation to push code or maybe even code something it's like ah this is okay uh, but do you do you feel that there are there are also another aspect of it there are like redundant projects as well right i mean if if there is maybe uh, i don't know which example i can take maybe just doing a network recognizance there are i don't know how many tools are available for doing network recognizance um yes. but uh, there are still a lot of network recognizance tools are still getting released and uh, still getting developed um they have different perspective of building those kind of tools um your idea was uh you know like learning those kind of um recognizance techniques um or optimizing the the existing recognizance techniques um what was your your main thought behind uh, writing a network recognizance tools I couldn't find the major part was that I couldn't find anything to fit my needs. Mm. I didn't want to take someone's code and change it. it. It's very hard to customize someone else's code because they they have their own style of uh, of writing. Yeah. So it's uh, I think it's, it takes more time to learn that code and then build, you know then do contributions unless it's very like scalable scalably developed for example um like uh, metasploit for example you know you can you yes. can write a module of metasploit regardless you don't know the whole core metasploit code you don't need to read that to you know write a module uh, from it but if i want to contribute something that is already existing and then i have to first read the code learn it and then have to write, you know contribute to it 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 takes more easier to develop something on that's true exactly and my biggest fear was running something in a control environment like a client's environment without being 100% sure what's what the script or the tool is doing mm. okay so that's a, a very important area for me is never run something inside a client that might disrupt the operations or cause some downtime and i couldn't find you know, it was very hard for me to to read code in different languages and try to understand what each line does So it's okay. I'm going to make my own, customize it, make it uh, harmless and just work on on the results that I want to to get. And slowly slowly I you know, I could 
I was observing what people do during retinal operations, what they do during pen tests, how they gather information. So I started to implement those in one tool. And, and I make use of, of many other tools uh, code and I have them referenced in my GitHub repo. You know, I, I didn't reinvent the wheel or I didn't invent everything. So it was very important to take bits and pieces from people's uh, tools. And again, the example was with um, CrackMapExec. The guy writes amazing code, like it's a, it's, it's a piece of art. His Python skills are insane. So I took a small, I asked for his permission to take a small piece of his code and implement it into my own project. Yeah. I think those, those share and take um, uh, philosophy still works uh, and that, that keeps the community growing. Exactly. That's that's a that's a huge uh, part of our community. Yeah, um, I am looking forward to the more announcements from your Wobberify project, especially these the like the second version of it. Um, hope to see that uh, live demo again in Black Hat or any other functions that we meet. Um, before we wind up, um, usually uh, we ask guests to give some comments or tips or suggestions to the communities, especially for aspiring um, infosec, um, you know, enthusiasts or maybe people who want to get into open source tooling or just to build automation skills. Uh, so say your your suggestions to the community. So my first suggestion is whatever you do, enjoy it. Do it because you like it and you want to learn something. Don't try to become famous <laughs> uh, from uh, from something. So, first of all, enjoy it. Um, second, if your code sucks or is terrible or your tool or project is terrible, nobody's going to say anything. So, if you publish it online, nobody's going to harm you. It's just people are not going to use it. So, try. At the end of the day, some better things might happen, like having people uh, working on your code, having contributors to improve your code. So if you have something good in your hands, some people might help you. And the third is to collaborate. Ask for help. And people, I, I have the best experiences on Twitter. People help me in so many ways. So reach out for help. There are people willing to help. If not, go to the next person. And at the end of the day, again, if you, if I manage to release a tool, me as Yannis, <laughs> you can definitely do it, <laughs> where, wherever you are. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, the hesitation of learning a new language or, you know, reading about coding or reading about, um, uh, th those, those aspects are actually secondary. So if you have really a passion to build something uh, as useful as you like, um, uh, you know, the rest, everything falls in right places. And the, the idea of the project is to fill a gap, yep. either in your knowledge, either at your work, or something, a gap in the community. So figure out what you want to do and enjoy it. And that's about it. It's going to be successful. If you enjoy it, it's a success already. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thanks so much, Yanis. Uh, thanks for your time. It was great talking to you. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for listening. I'll see you again in the next episode.